Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeffrey Clossy. Hello, Jay. Hello, everyone else. Glad to be here. Does anybody ever call you Jeffrey? Not really. Do they use that? That is my full name. Well, I assumed. But Jefferson. Not really. No. Did they when Jeff you were, when you were little? No, no one really did. My mom maybe occasionally, but when I was it, always Jeff. When she was angry, would she say it was? Were you one of those? Um, did you grow up in one of those homes where she'd use your full name? No, no, not like that. No, nope. I think it was always just Jeff. Two Fs, one silent. Get that's, it? Come no, on. That's, you can laugh. That's <laughs> that's a good audio <laughs> joke. That's good for radio. I like, guess yeah. not. There's no uh, no visual. <laughs> need for that i usually tell robbie gets frustrated with me when i do visual cues or visual humor or whatever on on podcasts yeah see what i'm doing right now no can't see it at all it doesn't it doesn't work at all so um so yeah we are we are going to talk about last week's sermon right acts chapter four acts chapter four so we're jumping right in no no tomfoolery that's the the that's the thing none of the fluff None of the fluff at all. This is Jeff's on Jeff's on the job, and so we are we are getting we're getting right after it. And it was a perfect week to have you on on this as we talked about common uneducated men. So we thought it would be, it'd be <laughs> they good. can't see my face though. It doesn't work. <laughs> well, we thought about that. That this is a <laughs> when Robbie wasn't um, going to be on this week. We we thought, oh, that's fitting. Uh huh. You could also. Say, I'm waiting for what's next. Jay. Well, there's not there's nothing next. I was uh-huh. just pointing out that you know that's one of the things I really admire about you, Jeff, is uh, is how even though you have no natural ability whatsoever, that you still have accomplished things. I will take that as a compliment. Okay, so in all seriousness, <laughs> though, that is that is obviously a joke. Jeff has a lot of abilities and uh, and comes off very impressive most of the time, um, but. That was a big chunk of this message was understanding that these early followers in the book of Acts were not, they, they were not the cream of the crop. They were not the people. And it's, it's mentioned many times. We talk about it when Jesus selects his followers. Um, and, and then we see it here on full display when they're brought before the, um, before the religious authorities. And it's just such an interesting phrase that they, they could tell, uh, they could perceive that they were common, uneducated, uneducated common men. I'm curious, and I, I didn't prep you for this, but why do you think Luke, who was a physician, by the way, who would have been educated, why do you think he put that in there? I think it was like a, like a uh, gossip slam on Peter and and John. Like, oh, tongue like, and cheek. Yeah, like he's gonna probably say, not. No, no. <laughs> not a lot of humor. Now, if it was me, if I was Luke, <laughs> yeah, I might have said that. Why do you think Luke put that in there? I think it's to show that the the sufficiency and power of their message was was Christ and Christ alone. I, you know, it's it's why the even the way that the miracles would come about it was so evident that this wasn't a human thing. This was this intersection of the heavenly kingdom with earth. And I think that's why, I mean, I know when I was a really young new minister on campus, so missionary, one of my favorite passages was the one where Paul says that his sufficiency is from Christ. He says he was with them in fear and much trembling. Mm -hmm. And he did not feel like he had it all together, 
but his sufficiency to be a minister of the gospel came from Christ and Christ alone. And I think this is very similar where Luke is just alerting everyone. These were not like people who were constantly giving speeches and were gifted in rhetoric and had gone to Greek schools of philosophy. They weren't, they were just normal people. Right. And look what happened. That's what I think is happening. Yeah. And in fact, what's interesting when you bring up Paul, so Paul was incredibly educated, but what does he say? The criticism about Paul and his preaching was that it was too simple. And he said, I I choose to know nothing among you, but Christ crucified. He, he talks then about how God uses the, the foolishness of the world to shame the, the wise. And, um, so he, Paul often is making the defense as to why he is not speaking with great rhetoric or, um, you know, in, in ways that would be seen as compelling in the, in the world's eyes. And so that, so I think you're right. I think Luke is demonstrating that, that these two, Peter and John were common and uneducated. There was nothing about them that would have made the religious authorities think, oh, well, no wonder these guys had such great, um, you know, such a great defense. But Luke himself, um, is, is educated. And then later when Paul is, as he talks about what Paul is doing, it's going to point out that Paul is very educated. So it doesn't matter. It's kind of the point there that Christ, the Christ crucified is what has power, not our ability to influence. Yes. God doesn't need our help. Right. And that's like over and over again. I mean, just look at old Testament when he wouldn't let his people take things from other people. Like when they conquered right. them, because they they, were, they couldn't, they wouldn't want to even take gifts from some people because God's people, God did not want them to be perceived as being helped as if they needed anyone but him. And I think this is a continuation of that. Like this power, this manifestation of God is, is God. And these men are his servants that he's chosen to involve in it. So why would you say, uh, why, why should that be good news? Like, why should that sound like good news to us? I think because that includes every single one of us. It means if whether or not we're, we're, you know, like the fisherman that he calls or whether we're like the doctor, like Luke or like Paul, a scholar, that means all of us fit within his kingdom and every single one of us, like it, it levels the playing field. It's not like we have to jockey for position None of that has to happen because this is all about Christ and his kingdom. And I think that 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 statement there again is highlighting that, that this had to have been God, the same reason that they spoke in tongues. There's no explanation other than God's spirit working that suddenly hear all these languages that would have been unknown to the the speaker spoken. You, you, it's not a trick, right? It didn't require human talent. So yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think it's really encouraging because no matter where, where we're at in life, we're part of this. It's just so easy, I think, to feel like following Christ. Well, yeah, this person over there, you know, they have it together and they can do it. Of course they do. Right. But I'm different. I don't get this. And that's not ever true. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, no, I think I agree. I think it's, uh, it's, it should be good news to all of us because you realize that regardless of your background, regardless of what you see as your own intellectual ability or um, ability to speak, that it is the power of Christ that is the message. And so to just deliver that, to, that, to know that the power of Christ is in you 
and the Holy Spirit is who awakens people. And, and so that should, that should make everyone realize, okay, my job is to go and, and be faithful in the moment and realize that if God wanted somebody else here sharing the gospel with this person or ministering to this person or, or praying for that person, then he would have had them there. And I, that's one of the things that I look at and see that there's a time and a place where Paul comes in and does use some rhetoric. Um, and there's a time and where Peter and John are doing what they're doing. And there's a time where Stephen, you know, we'll get to where Stephen preaches this amazing sermon. They, um, but they all are different people preaching the same powerful message that requires supernatural intervention for somebody to understand and and receive so i i think that is good news i do think though that there's a that we can i don't want to say take it too far but there's a warning in there too because you could say well then it doesn't matter if i speak um intelligently about this and it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter then how i say it it doesn't matter like um, you know, a, a pastor, like I could sit there and say, well, then I shouldn't really prep for a sermon. Yeah. I just wasted my whole morning today. Right. Yeah. Like you're <laughs> right? prepping for this week and, and like, yeah, you just like, so, so when you're prepping a sermon, do you, where do, how do we figure that out? And when you're, when you're talking with somebody, do you just like try, like not answer any questions, try not to speak intelligently, try not to speak with any kind of humor or winsomely or anything like that. And just, you know, cause you could go to a place where you're like, okay, well, I guess we just go around saying Jesus Christ crucified with no, throw a mumble. Right. We could just mumble and be like, <laughs> well, you know, it's not about that. So how do we think through that? I mean, to me, like in the new Testament, God clearly empowers and gives certain kinds of gifts, right? So there's a speaking and a teaching gift. And there's even um, some who are called evangelists, like who have this, you know, extraordinary ability when they reach out and that's all from him. Right. So those gifts are all coming from God. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think as a human being, it doesn't mean that it feels like we're not trying (laughs) or that we're not putting effort into it. I think it means that we put effort in, in reliance upon the spirit of God. So like this morning when I'm prepping mm-hmm. for Sunday, I'm saying to God over and over, Lord, would you please fill me with your spirit and inspire these words by your spirit? Give me ideas and places to go that your people need, that you know they need, that I don't. And then I work really hard right? and trust that he's doing that. What do you think? I yeah. mean, I think that's what we do. We, we do it in reliance upon him. Yeah, I think at all times our goal is to be faithful and for lack of a better phrase, to do the best we can in any situation. I think the key is when you realize that God would place the person he wants there and he does. Like there are people, like you said, that have gifts of preaching and teaching. And so in the church, those gifts are meant to build up the body. And so that's why um, for people to speak, you know, if you're going to speak on, on Sunday morning, typically that's a person that has a, a gift of teaching or a gift of preaching. Um, and that's okay. Like that's that they're used there. Just like a person who says, I don't have that gift at all is used in their context and they're the right person in that moment. I think realizing that in, in a way, as Paul talks about us, you know, there's, there's a lot of military parallels in scripture, but we're soldiers 
And when the, when the general tells you, you go do that and you're going to do this, we all have different gifts. And so he places us in those parts, but we know that everybody kind of doing their part and everybody being who God has called them to be, that's how we are made up into the body of Christ. And so there have been so many times where what I say on a weekend is given power or weight or just serves as a launching point for somebody during the week with their coworker or their neighbor. And, and what I said is just, was just a, um, just kind of a catalyst. It wasn't even, it's not even the meat. It's not the thing that, that really was impactful. Um, it served as a discussion point or it served as an opportunity or whatever the case is. We all have that, we all have these parts to play and are, and we're supposed to do those, you know, the best that we can, like the most faithfully we can. Yeah. So the passage as, as you were talking that came to my mind was Colossians one twenty nine, and it's Paul saying that for this, I toil struggling with all his power, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So he's saying he works his ministry as an apostle. He struggles but the struggle and the energy he puts forth is with Christ's power right. in him. And that's a hard thing. I mean, I think that's not an easy thing to necessarily comprehend. I think we need God's spirit to help figure out what that feels like and looks like, because like you said, for lack of a better word, it can, it can sometimes just feel like you're giving it your best. Right. Right. Um, but the vision that the image is that we're doing it with his power that is in us and empowering all the service. I mean, so we're talking right now about, like actions like that, but then there's this whole character aspect, right? That it, it's a whole nother thing. Right. So, I mean, so kind of to, to put a bow on that point, I think that the tension that we have between um, ministry, when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your soul. Um, he talks about his yoke being easy and his burden is light. Um, and so the work, and in a sense, ministry is the easiest thing that we can do because the power, it's not up to us. The power is not ours. We are not like God is sovereign and he is the one doing the work. We just get to participate. So in, in one sense, you know, we're like the, like the small child who goes to work with their father and the father says, you know, here, you, you hit this nail and it's not the kids, you know, it's not the three-year-old's power that's building that house or, you know, whatever the case is, but he gets to participate in it and it's joyful. So there's a sense in which there, there's that, that ministry. And I think you've, I think you would attest to this, that there is a sense in which ministry and being used for the glory of Christ is like the easiest, most natural thing in the world. When I'm, when I'm abiding in Christ, there's also a way in which it is the hardest thing in the world. And I think there is that tension in this following of Jesus that we both need to understand that we often, I think bottom line when it comes to this and the idea of being used um, in the ways that we see in Acts, I think as a general rule, we tend to make the easy things hard and the hard things easy. Like we want the hard things to be easy and we make the easy things hard. Um, by that, I just mean the easy things are, are that the Holy Spirit gives you words to speak and the Holy Spirit like revives somebody and like gives them eyes to see. And I cannot tell you how many times I have given a very broken, um, inarticulate uh, presentation of the gospel and somebody has responded 
because it's not because I convinced them. It's because of the Holy Spirit. So we make that really hard. So we always want to know, like, well, what are the things? How am I supposed to say this? What? How do I answer this question? What do I do here? And we worry about the thing that is actually the easiest part. The easiest part is somebody coming to life because that's all the power of the Holy Spirit. But then we make we want the hard the things that are supposed to be hard. We want them to be easy. So when Jesus says, "Count the cost." Of, of discipleship, when he says that there's a cost to following me, um, when he talks about you have to pick up your cross daily and follow me, when um, there when he talks about you'll have trouble and tribulation in this world, um, when he talks about if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you, and we don't want any of that, so we want all that to be easy, and so we try to make the the things that are actually supposed to be hard in it, we tr- we want those to be easy, and the things that were meant to be easy, we try to make hard. Yeah, we, it's weird how we take the things that are meant to be done in his strength and try to do them in our strength. Right. And That's a simpler way of saying that. Well, no, I just yeah, was thinking right. whenever we do that, like right. even if a, yeah, a, yeah. a child tries to do what an adult can do, it's not going to go well. You know, like it, they don't have the energy or the... So that's part of why I think it ends up being that way, that dynamic. Yeah. Like we have to do... We want to do it in our strength submitted to our own will. Yes. So that's why the hard thing is dying to yourself and submitting to the will of Jesus and obeying him day by day. Yes. And the easy thing is doing it in the power of Christ and not in my own strength. But we, because we are ever chasing this idea that we can, we really can be our own God. Like maybe we just need a little bit of help, but we really can basically do it. We rely on our own strength submitted to our own will. Yeah. And it's good we tend to think we know what the outcome should be right. most yes. of the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, sometimes we do know what the outcomes will be in a situation, but often we really have no idea. And that goes for even what we think is good for us. You know, often the things that we think are good for us are the things that are not good for us. Right. You know, like, well, if it makes me happy, it's good. Well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> right. There's all kinds of things that could make us happy right now in this moment that would not be good for us. And the same on the other side, we avoid discomfort and discomfort can often be God's Mm -hmm. tool, right? To bring about something really, really good in us and in our family or or our community that wouldn't have come any other way. Yeah. And so you really start to realize when Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he's talking about like you it's not based on your performance. What you need to do is just die to yourself, listen to me and obey. And that goes then to what you're talking about with the the character. So really when we realize at our core here, um, if you want to be used in the way that people were used in, in acts, um, then, then the real, the power of that is just in you being transformed. So like my, my, Uh, my ability to be used or um, to be able to have that kind of impact, it really is about, okay, then I need to be transformed. I need to be a new creation and I need to live this life in and among with and among people. And I need to have eyes to, to see and to, to abide with Christ. Cause if you're doing that, if you're listening to Christ, if you're following Jesus, then you are going to be in, interacting with people and you're going to be loving them. You're going to be praying for them. You're going to be talking about God. You're going to like, all these things are going to happen. 
Um, but it's really being transformed into the image of Jesus, not about um, promoting the kingdom. Like God doesn't need a PR person. He doesn't need someone to um, fully explain everything or answer every question about whatever. Yeah. Um, that's rarely the actual issue, right? No, it never is. Yeah. I mean, the manifestation of God's spirit in presence where you, you said it really well in your sermon where it's not so much what you do, it's how you do it. Yeah. And there are humorous ways of thinking about that. Um, but then, you know, serious ways. So you, you mentioned someone, um, outraged about their rights, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're told they can't do something in their work to make, but our message is really not very weighty if our experience of it is so thin, you know, like we need a weighty experience of Christ. And that doesn't mean like that could, that could be misconstrued. What I, what I mean by that is not that we have become perfect people, right? but that we have realized apart from Christ, apart from Christ, I am lost in every area of my life. And the good that people experience in me and through me is because of his work in me. Because after all, we are ordinary people. You know, we are, and that's a good thing. That's who God, God specifically made each one of us. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that character part is so key. And that to me is more of the hard work because that is a long haul. Typically right. our character is not shaped overnight, right? It's a long haul, it's habits, routines, all kinds of things affect it. Yeah. And that, and that's so critical because I, that's when I made that point in the sermon I wish I could just get everybody to believe and understand that the best way to proclaim the kingdom is to be, to be testimonies like our lives, to be, to live transformed lives that are not explainable by the world's standards and to be able to say that's because of Jesus. I mean, that's in essence, I mean, that's what happens. Peter and John do something that the authorities cannot explain it talks about like the, the man is standing there right next to them. So they can't explain it away. They can't call them crazy. They can't say this was all made up. The dude's standing right there. They can't explain it. it says that they, that they're, you know, they're perplexed or they're confused or they're, um, they, they're kind of in awe because nothing, when it, when I think, so this goes back to when Luke calls them uneducated common men, that's partly because that's one of the things that they're trying to figure out. They're trying to piece together this puzzle of how is it that this man is standing before them healed next to these two guys. And they can't figure out what, well, it, it can't be made up because that guy's standing there. It can't be some kind of like brilliant scam or scheme because those two dudes are like uneducated. It can't be even because of how they viewed religious. So here's the other thing about that that we didn't get to talk about in the sermon, but they would have viewed uh, by that point, there was a lot of their own ho- personal holiness that they thought was responsible for a lot of those healings. So now you're looking at Peter and John and saying, well, gosh, they must be super holy people. If they, you know, that's another option. Well, no, they're not. They're just common people. And so again, it comes back to this idea of living a life that cannot be explained in any other way except for Jesus. And then to be able to say it's because of Jesus. And that's the brilliance when Peter and John say like, well, if you're asking 
why like we know what you're trying to figure out here you're trying to figure out how does this happen how is it this guy standing here next to us how are we all in the situation and we're going to tell you it's because of jesus like let it be known to everybody it's because of jesus and what that does and what it did on that day and what it does to us and what it does to people is it makes people kind of confront this idea of is this jesus real or not like, is this narrative, the story that you're telling true or not? Our job is not to convince people. Our job is to live in the truth and the reality of the, the, the fact that Jesus saved me and is renewing me day by day. And when I have that life to point to, and then I can say it's because of Jesus, well, then that person, again, like we have said many times, and we will say many more times in this series, that some will scoff and mock. They'll be dismissive. Sometimes they'll do it politely. They'll be dismissive. They'll say, oh, it's great that that works for you or whatever. Okay. But there will be others who will seek and they'll find. And and if we could just understand that that happens most in the rhythms of everyday life, of just living a transformed life um, and, and then being able to give an answer for the hope that is in us, then... I think, I think things would be transformed. We would worry so much less about being able to answer every question or objection that comes up. We'd worry so much less about being um, really influential. We would, we would worry so much less about being a great salesperson, which would make us less pushy. I mean, like, think about it. How many times have, like, I've shared the gospel in desperation before where I'm like, I feel like if I don't convince you to pray a prayer right now, um, then, you know, then I've failed. Well, I can tell you that that has never gone well. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever gone well for you, but it's it's never gone well for me. No, um, because we in that moment, like being part of God's kingdom advance becomes about us. Right. And not right. about him and his kingdom. And it's the same thing that, that these guys were astonished about, is that it wasn't about these men. It was about their savior, this king, who was at work in them and among them. And we do that, we do that, unfortunately, very easily and readily in almost every area of our life. We just, we replace what is supposed to be about him and put ourselves there mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. So I think you're right. I mean, I, I think, you know, evangelism often thought of as an activity is, um, it definitely is an action, but it's probably for most of us going to be a process with people God has put near us, then a random conversation. Not to say that God couldn't do that with a random conversation. He might choose to today with me or you yep. or someone listening. But probably it's the people living right next door that we get the mail next to every day that are going to be the people that he has in our life or the people that sit next to us in the office. And they can smell what it's like to be around us. They can taste our words every day. Right. And they pick up on it. And there's a danger in just being a nice person. <laughs> there is. That's good news for me. Right? Because the last thing we need people to think is if you could just try harder, then you could get your act together. Mm. Just try to just decide to be kind today. Yes. But that doesn't point to Christ either. So it has to be something more than that. It's more radical than just politeness. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine what it would be like if instead of being judgmental towards someone who is reacting harshly to actually be able to empathize and to say, to be able to even, even if it's just in our own minds to say, but for the grace of God, like that, that would be my response. 
Like I can empathize with that hopelessness or when that frustration, we all act in certain ways when we feel very out of control. And it's only knowing that our father is sovereign over everything that gives us that kind of peace. And we take for granted that is actually a supernatural thing that was done in us. And, and we can offer that to people. You mentioned the random conversations, at least in my experience, I don't know what your experience has been, but in my experience, the random conversations are typically the the come and see conversations. So often, often if I'm going to, if I'm just going to invite somebody to church, that's probably going to be a random person that happens all the time. But then there's other people that I have more connection with and then I'll often have more um, hands-on conversations about the gospel and about, you know, transformation, because like you said, they've seen my life. They know um, they, there's something going on there that they're asking for understanding they're trying to explain something or understand something and then our answer is jesus and whether that's compelling to them or not is based on the holy spirit now i will say this there's a um there's an old adage in in basketball and actually other sports where you can't you can't win the first you can't win the game in the first five minutes but you can lose it in the first five minutes it's kind of nonsensical logical the logic doesn't quite apply um, but the idea is you can you can do everything right, but you still have to continue to play hard for the whole game. But you can mess things up in a way that and and I see that sometimes in in the in sharing the gospel, like and, and I want to be careful how I say this, but I think it is important that you can say all the right things and you can say it all with the right demeanor. You could do everything perfectly. But whether a person responds or not is totally up to the Holy Spirit. There's the power of the Holy Spirit. But I have seen situations, if you if your heart is not there, then it is likely God will not, you will not get to be a part of that story. Meaning, someone's salvation doesn't depend on how you did it. Like you, you're not messing up their salvation. That's not my point, but you're, what you're messing up is your opportunity to be a part of that. And that typically happens not because of the thing that you said wrong. It has to do with the character and the heart behind it. Um, I have had many conversations with people that I believe that were seeking. And by the time, you know, we interacted with them or whatever, they were, they were right there. But what was an obstacle was the harshness of Christians. It created an obstacle that didn't need to be there. Like there's already the, the big obstacle is we are dying to ourselves and receiving life and, and belief. That's the big obstacle. We don't need to add things like snarkiness, snarkiness <laughs> or making it about like, well, I'm right. Like, and, and you're not like creating some kind of adversarial situation where that person not only not only are they being called to repent like repent and turn to Christ but now they also you're putting them in a situation where they have to say and you were right and I was wrong and um or now I have to like now I'm going to identify with this person that has been a jerk to me or has been unkind or unloving um or doesn't seem to find much joy in this like we have to be really mindful of that when we are representing Christ how are we representing that I mean, I think part of this too, and it doesn't say this explicitly in Acts 4, but part of when we're walking with Christ in this way, in his power, 
and he's using us to alert other people to the reign of God in the world. Part of, I think, what's important for us who are, who are living that life is that we have confidence and assurance that God is with us and that God went before us. So before any of us show up on the scene, God has been at work. Before I get this job next to this guy that, that I want, to, want him to know right. Jesus, God was already at work in right. that guy's life and my neighbor's life. And I think knowing God that way and understanding that he is at work and we get to come and be part of what he is doing changes how it feels from, like you said, something really hard to something that might require effort. Yes, but it's not hard. It's easy. It's yeah. effort that comes from his spirit in his power. It's effort in the thing that matters. Yes. And I think all of us have experience of wanting to put in effort towards something that we really want. And that's at its core. That's our question. I think when we look in, in, in the book of Acts, so often the question is going to be, well, do you want that? And so if you want to be used, like I, and I do, um, then we should take great encouragement to know that God, God uses the foolish to shame the wise. Like he, he, if you feel, um, ill-equipped or you feel like you can't be used, then you are in the, in the best possible situation because you can know that that, that is how God works and whatever your gifts are, um, God will use those. He's the one that created them and, and put them in you. And so he knows exactly how, what you're capable of or not capable of. Like he knows exactly that about me. So, um, he is a good father and he, he doesn't put us, he doesn't set us up for failure. And that's another thing we talk, talk about. It's not like God makes mistakes. It's not like he ran out of resources when he puts you next to next door to that person, or he puts you, um, you know, working with that person or he brought that person into your family. God knows what he's doing and trusting him and saying, okay, then the power of Christ is sufficient. And, and that's what we're going to see over and over again. And I hope that that's, um, I hope that that's encouraging. Do you have any practical, like what could somebody do today to kind of take a step towards this of towards believing that it's the power of Christ that does all of this. And like, I get to actually take part in this and take a step. Well, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is that it's the small things that matter. So being faithful with what we perceive as the small things can lead to being able to be faithful with what we perceive as the really big things. So it's, you know, and what I mean by that is the small things like, um, I'm going to make sure today that if I, so for example, I'm building a relationship with my neighbor, for example, I'm going to make sure I'm going to smile and say hi today. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do that in the power of the spirit. That is something you could probably do without relying on Jesus. But I think we need to practice doing the thing that we feel like is small in his spirit. Mm -hmm. So I, that's what I would say. And the same goes with character, right? So it's those small decisions that only we know about that actually really matter in the end because they shape us. They, they, they shape who we become over time. So that's what I would say. I mean, it's very yeah, general, but I think it's something that we can all apply. We say all the time that small things become big things. And the reason I say that so much is because, because I have to remind myself of that so much because I'm, I'm a very big picture person. And so I, tend to be paralyzed by wanting to do the big thing and I miss the small things. 
and my personal testimony is it is the small things. It is always the small things. And when you talk about smiling, that may sound weird, by the way, mm-hmm. like smiling. Sure is weird. <laughs> but it's not that weird. If you when when people think about if you've ever had anybody pray that you would um, that God would give you favor with somebody like sometimes we do that in a job interview or something like that. Like, God, we pray that you would give um, I would pray you'd give Jeff favor with the, the team that's interviewing him or whatever. Well, what we're saying is, spirit, would you shine through him? So that he's, so that they see that, and so a smile in my own strength could be received um, creepily. <laughs> it could be received um, sarcastically. It could be received politely. But if when that person looks, they 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 may not be able to articulate. They don't know what it is. But if I'm smiling at them in the power of the spirit then that's something completely different. And if you need any example of that, think of how Jesus interacts with people. And when Jesus looks at people, it elicits a very different response than when a Roman soldier looks at them or when even a friend looks at them. We see that coming out of the pages of scripture that when Jesus, if Jesus smiles or he says a word or anything, like it's not even that the word that he's saying is so you know, confounding. It's just the authority with which he says it. It's the power with which he says it. We talk about that with Paul or talks about the conviction with which he says it. These things are this, these, this is what we're talking about. So it's a, it ends up being a a projection of, of goodness and blessing from the kingdom of heavens. Like that's what it is. It's not just my own. Right. We want to be a vessel through which God's spirit and power and love come. And that starts with those little things. They're not really little, yeah. but they feel little. They feel little. So that would be a really good step. I mean, think about what would it look like today to do the things that seem small and insignificant to you, to do them in the power of Christ, um, whether it's hugging your child or doing your job or you know picking up after somebody or whatever the case is. Um, do that, practicing the presence of God, being very aware Um, and then of course, like we always say, uh, we want to help you in this process. And so if you have questions about what this looks like, or, uh, if you want to share a story of that, man, I would love to get some stories of people saying, you know, I did this small thing, but I, I asked God to bless it and to do, I, I wanted to do this in the power of Christ. And this is what happened. I mean, I would love, I'd love to hear some of those stories. So please share with us your stories of what you see God doing share with us your questions or if you need encouragement or whatever the case is uh, we want to be that for you Uh, you can always contact us at faith um, connect at faithpeshtigo.com and uh, or you can on our facebook page or website or or whatever you can find us all kinds of ways so uh, hopefully this has been helpful to you and until next time grace and peace (laughs) 